Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood with information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field. My hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode. I am so excited because I have Dr. Nicole Baldwin, who is a fellow general pediatrician, and we are talking all about vaccines and how we feel about vaccines as both mothers and pediatricians. So thank you, Dr. Baldwin, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I started following Nicole, Dr. Baldwin, on Instagram. Um, I actually was never on any other social media platform, but Dr. Baldwin is actually in my opinion, the, the guru on social media, because she's on <laughs> many different platforms. She's on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, and she has a, her own blog. So I have not been able to venture out into any other social media platform, but she is a wealth of information. So I'm so glad we are talking about all this today because there's no one, there's no one else I would have <laughs> wanted to talk to this about. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> So like, like I said, we're, we wanted to have this conversation for all of you because we know that there is some vaccine hesitancy out there. People have a lot of questions, but we're just talking mother to mother, pediatrician to pediatrician on the things that we see in our office, why we promote vaccination, um, and just some you know struggles that we have dealing with vaccine hesitancy and just messages that we have for all of you when deciding to vaccinate your children. Um, so first of all, Dr. Baldwin, how many years have you been practicing? Um, I have been practicing for 13 years. Awesome. And you have two children. I have two children. I have, um, well, one is an adult, a 24-year-old son um, and uh, a 16-year-old daughter. And what actually, kind of going back, what prompted you to get on social media in the first place to do education and, and what you do for general peds? Yeah. So initially I did the social media for my practice um, and as a way to educate families beyond what we could do in the office. And so I decided to get on personally because 
Um, I'm in a practice with 15 other providers. And so it was challenging to have my own voice. Um, And so I felt the need to kind of get out there and talk to families um, because I was saying the same things over and over and over again in the office. And so I thought, wow, okay, uh, maybe if I get this out there on social media, it can help people that aren't in the office that day or whatever. So yeah. And, and people outside of your area of, of where you're practicing, right. which yeah. is so yeah. cool. And that's exactly why I got on. And so when I joined Instagram and I can't, obviously I can't remember how I found you or how we found each other, <laughs> but it was so nice. It's obviously amazing seeing all the other general pediatricians on social uh, sharing evidence-based information mm-hmm. and just, you know, their perspective as, as mothers, fathers, whatever it is. So again, mm-hmm. thank you for being here. So the first question I have is, why do you vaccinate? And not even just promote vaccination for your, for your patients, but why do you vaccinate yourself? Why do you vaccinate your, your children? Um, let's start there. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so definitely, I mean, I vaccinate myself and my kids to prevent vaccine-preventable diseases in us, um, of course. But I also vaccinate to protect other people. So people who can't be vaccinated, I think it's important that I make sure I'm as safe as possible. My kids are as safe as possible. So we don't spread anything inadvertently to someone who maybe can't be vaccinated for whatever reason. They're too young. Um, they're too old. <laughs> they're, um, you know, have some sort of immune deficiency. So that's why I do it. Yeah. Same with me. I mean, I think the the issue here is there, there is this sort of misconception that, oh, well, if I'm healthy, why do I need to vaccinate? Because I just won't, you know, I won't get it. I don't, I'm not going to spread it to anyone. But the reality is we, we do this because of protecting the most vulnerable. Also, we obviously are vaccinating our, our children to protect them and protect others. Um, so I, I love that answer. Any, do you have any stories of vaccine preventable illnesses that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I think I trained in the era that was mostly post-vaccine, you know, Um, but I've seen a handful, obviously I've seen flu um, and chickenpox and pertussis, but one thing I I was thinking about this, so the rotavirus vaccine came out, um, it was licensed the year I finished residency, so rotavirus, and you may may not even, when did you finish residency? (laughs) Uh, 2015, five years ago. So 2015. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I'm a little older than you. I finished in 2006. So, um, so back in the day, rotavirus used to be all over the place. We would admit kids all the time with dehydration from rotavirus, um, gastroenteritis, like diarrhea, vomiting. And, um, I remember, so this vaccine comes out right when I started practicing. And so the first couple years of practice, we still would see it, you know, kids, um, I think before vaccination, I mean, hundreds of thousands of office visits every single year for rotavirus. Um, And you never forget the smell of rotavirus. Let me tell you, you can smell it down the hallway. It was awful. And, And these kids would get really sick. Um, even when I was in residency, we had one kid when I was in the ICU that actually had to get admitted. We had to code her because she was so dehydrated. Um, and she almost died, um, from that. So really scary. And then fast forward a couple years into practice after we'd been giving the rotavirus vaccine and I never hardly ever see rotavirus anymore. I can't remember the last time I saw rotavirus. So, um, it's kind of cool to have that story to be like, yeah, I remember before we had that vaccine and now that we have that vaccine, we just don't see it, um, anymore. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. 
That is actually, I act, that's awesome. I yeah. actually, obviously, like you said, I, I was in training when the rotavirus has been around. Um, and so I, I actually work with a colleague who has been practicing for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he talks a lot more about it. So it's so amazing to see the progression of all these different vaccines. Mm-hmm. And to kind of go on that comment, I think a lot of families who may be vaccine hesitant for they you know one of the comments that they say is well why are there so many why well you guys basically are vaccinated against everything i think they have to understand that the vaccines are being chosen for things that cause morbidity mortality or complications long term mm-hmm. right. we're not vaccinating against hand foot and mouth right because hand foot <laughs> and mouth doesn't cause you i mean maybe you know there's it's hard to find a vaccine but it doesn't cause you permanent damage and it doesn't right. cause any complications but rotavirus meningitis. These are all things that actually can cause lifelong implications, or they can cause obviously, um, you know, mortality. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and that's a prime example, obviously, children getting so dehydrated that they're getting admitted to hospitals. If we can prevent that, right, kind of like the flu vaccine, right? um, (laughs) If we can prevent it, why not? Um, I, I think that's an important concept that people, people need to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I just think so many parents these days, just like you said, haven't, seen these illnesses, don't know anybody that's had these illnesses. And so, um, yeah, they, they look at risk of the, or what perceived risk, I guess I should say (laughs) of the vaccine versus actually thinking about the illness and how devastating so many of these illnesses can be, um, for kids and adults. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think if you were, if you're a pediatrician and you've gone through residency, I think every pediatrician will have a story that's, you know, they'll always hold in their heart of a vaccine preventable illness. You know, for me, you know, you have the rotavirus. For me, it was a hemoc patient. So a cancer patient who had cancer, who obviously is immunocompromised, who ended up getting chicken pox from a classmate and Mm. dying from chicken pox. He actually didn't die from the cancer, mm. but he was so immunocompromised. And he, you know, for any, for everyone listening, when you're immunocompromised, you can't get certain vaccines. So you can't get the chickenpox mm-hmm. vaccination mm-hmm. Um, because your body's not able to handle that vaccine. So you have to hope that everyone right. around you mm-hmm. is getting that vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that child. I will never forget the child's name, the mom crying. And I, it's just so unfortunate that he was actually doing really well with his cancer yeah. and he passed away from chickenpox. And it's, it's one of those stories that, I mean, there's so many, like you said, pertussis mm-hmm. I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen hip meningitis mm-hmm. and I've seen a healthy young girl, 18 month old who subsequently had hearing loss. This is why we sit here mm-hmm. in an evening and record this episode <laughs> right. because we really just care so much about the safety of our kids. Yeah. And I think people, you know, the misconception that pediatricians are out to harm kids with vaccines. It just breaks my mm-hmm. heart because why would we want to do anything for a child and our own children, right, by the way, right. I vaccinate Ryan on schedule. Yeah. Like, I mean, people are like, you vaccinate, like I have some people will message like, Oh, you chose to vaccinate him even though he had a seizure and birth trauma. I'm like, what does that yeah. even mean? <laughs> yes. That, that's, that's not even related. Right. Yeah. This is, I'm going to vaccinate because right. that's the best thing to do for my son and also anyone he comes in contact with. Right. Um, but it's just so sad that the lack of trust that's been created in many, you know, obviously social media with pediatricians mm-hmm. and with the medical community, when we really are trying to help right. children. Right. We, I mean, we love kids. I went into pediatrics because I love kids. And it's just like you said, and I, I say that all the time too. Why in the world would I not just vaccinate my patients, but vaccinate my own children if I thought for a second that 
that it was going to be harmful to them. Um, my children are fully vaccinated with everything, including HPV. You know, they've had it all. They get a flu shot every year. Like my kids. Yeah. And so, you know, never in a million years would I ever want to harm any children and especially not my own. So I, I, I feel yeah. you on that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, when I have those conversations and I, I do bring in the personal, like if I'm talking to a vaccine hesitant family or someone mm-hmm. who's more on the other side where they're not going to vaccinate at mm-hmm. all. And I tell them, you know, they, they're like, are you vaccinating your son? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And I've had awful things said to me. I mean, like things like, well, I feel sorry for your child. Like, you know, I wish I could save your child. And I'm like, I literally have had to have, you know, office managers come involved because I'm like, wow, this is extremely rude and personal. And I'm not even attacking you. I'm just giving you medical information. (laughs) And you just, this is when I was pregnant, by the way. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's so heartbreaking because literally for anyone who is not familiar, Gen Peds, we work extremely hard. We work hard for very low pay compared to other pe- or other specialties and we do it because like dr baldwin said we really love kids and we don't want to see your kids in the office sick mm-hmm. in the hospital intubated mm-hmm. sick on fluids all this stuff right? right this is why we we promote this it's public health it's it's the benefits are there mm-hmm. and we want your children to be healthy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood explains in your podcast app that's understood explains this podcast is sponsored by active skin repair a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical grade ingredients active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes diaper rashes and other types of skin damage i discovered active skin repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes and it really helped and continues to help containing hypochlorous acid which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c is there any other vaccine, you know, anti-vaccine myths or, you know, the things that they say that it's hard for you to kind of, oh, you hear it and you're like, why are we saying that? Kind of similar to the ones that, you know, pediatricians don't vaccinate their kids? Yeah, well, I, the, I think the one that circulates a lot these days um, is that 
someone at the World Health Organization, they take they took a clip out of something. And this person said that pediatric or physicians only get half a day of training um, about vaccines during medical school. And that is just not true. I mean, I just and and, and it, it's so frustrating, because no matter how much on social media, we say it's not true, no matter how many people say it's not true. Every time an anti vaccine, you know, person kind of comes at me on social media, that's one of the things that they will say. And it, I'm just, no, like we, not only did we train in infectious disease and immunology and, um, you know, microbiology and all of those things during medical school, but then add three years of pediatric residency on top of that, add my 13 years of clinical practice. Like I, I've done more than half a day of studying vaccines. Um, it, it just drives me nuts. Oh, that I agree completely because <laughs> that and also what we said earlier that we not only are studying the microbiology, the vaccines, but we're also studying the illnesses that they cause. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and we've seen those. So when you, like mm -hmm. I said, with my stories, like when you see those actually in front of you holding the hands of these children and these parents that, gosh, if they, if we could just have prevented this with the vaccine, mm -hmm. it really hits home and you're never going to yeah. forget those cases. And, you know, when I'm in my office and if I am dealing with a family that is more hesitant, I, I bring in those stories. And I also just say, you know, this is all for a reason. Like we're not sitting here having this conversation. I'm not pleading with you and educating you and going on social mm -hmm. media like you are to mm -hmm. bust all these myths. You know, we do it, yeah. we're doing it because it's what we need to do so that people understand that this is for the best interest of these children. Mm -hmm. my, yeah, my, exactly. my biggest one beyond that is the big pharma that when, you know, <laughs> when they say, Oh, how much are you getting paid to promote vaccines? Uh -huh. And I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how much debt you had, but I came out of medical school with $370,000 of debt. Wow. Okay. I didn't have quite that much, uh, but I had went, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a struggle. And so when people uh -huh. say that, Oh, you're getting paid by big pharma and me and my husband are living in a two bedroom apartment, leasing cars, paying off our loans aggressively with my right. entire salary, which is mm -hmm. not paid by big pharma because yeah. we get paid a lot as general <laughs> no. pediatricians. I'm like, wait, what? And I, and I tell them, I'm like, can you, and it's usually all in caps, like, Oh, how yes, much is big pharma? Is. And then they put money symbols. And I'm like, can uh -huh. we just like, stop spewing just things that you're reading off a script. Like think for a second about what we're doing right. here. Right. If a right. general, if we were all getting paid by big pharma, I'm pretty sure I would not be on social media. I would be in mm -hmm. a yacht in the Bahamas. Right. <laughs> yep. I would, I would be too. I mean, I I've been waiting for that check to come in for a long time. And there's nothing coming. <laughs> there's nothing coming. And then the other yeah. thing is, you know, when they talk about that, I, the reason I get, well, I'm like confused is that if you actually go to the pediatrician, vaccines are actually very cheap if you pay out of pocket. So like in mm -hmm. our practice, for example, if you don't have insurance, one vaccine only costs $10. If you mm -hmm. don't have insurance, if mm -hmm. you have insurance, they're completely covered. Yeah. So if it was big pharma, they would be, it's like, you know, they would be charging obscene amounts because they're trying to make money off of you, but right, it's so right. cheap. These things are free and you can go to the department yeah. of health and get it for free. Right. So right. And as yeah. pediatricians, we don't make like vaccines are not a moneymaker in our office. They're just not. And the amount that they cost to store and, um, you know, keep and, you know, maintain it's, it's actually a lot. And so there's a lot of costs associated with them, but we do it obviously. And we have vaccines because that's what we believe in and we want to vaccinate these kids. So it is frustrating when people think we're making bank off of 
vaccines because we're, we're not <laughs> we're not and it's like it's you know that actually hurts hurts a lot because then I'm like wow I, I don't understand that concept because I really I mean what we do as general pediatricians is not for the money and it's there's that money's not coming from anywhere and it's like you can tell these you can tell them all you want that hey this is not happening it's like they just keep saying it like oh big pharma right. big I'm like just mm-hmm. can we just actually have a honest conversation or it's just it's so hard it's so it is it's so hard do Mm -hmm. you like how do you approach vaccine hesitancy in your office like when you get those families that want to space out or don't want to vaccinate like how do you Mm -hmm. what are the words you use and how do you maybe even encourage them well yeah I think so definitely I always talk to the families and the one thing I always try to do is ask what their questions are or what their fears are um because I think that um I can assume you know something but that may not be at all what they're afraid of and you know, in our practice, we actually have a policy. So um, for families who choose completely not to vaccinate, we actually ask them to find a different um, provider because we feel that we want to protect our most vulnerable patients. And so we feel like it's important for all children to be vaccinated that are coming into our office. Um, but for our families that choose to delay a little bit, you know, definitely I talk with them about the risks of delaying because there is risk to delay. Um, you know, you're risking your child being potentially exposed to that illness um, for a longer period of time. You know, if they can get that vaccine today in my office and you want to wait a month, well, what if they get exposed to pertussis in a month? You know, what if, um, you know, who, who knows what could happen, especially with, I mean, granted with coronavirus right now, we're not traveling as much, but, you know, with travel and things like that, you know, polio could be just a plane flight away. So even though people don't think about that, I talk to them about that. I talk to them about the fact that the more they come into my office, the more they're exposing their child to viruses that I don't have vaccines for in my office. Um, so I, I do talk about that um, and um, just, you know, obviously answer any questions. A lot of it is, oh, I saw this thing on social media about, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend that had this type of um, side effect. And so then I try to explain the actual rate of side effects of vaccines and, and things like that. And so, you know. And have you seen adverse side effects? Well, I mean, certainly we see fevers, um, yeah. you know, we see arm pain, things like that. I think we've had, you know, you get a l- occasional, like very rare, but occasional um, syncope, which is when kids pass out um, with some of the like adolescent vaccines. Um but in terms of any severe major side effect, no, I haven't. And I'm, I'm happy you're saying that because I think, you know, there's another misconception that we are hiding information. <laughs> like, no, no, like meaning you guys are right. saying, you guys are fine knowing these things and not telling the public. And that is so false because, I mean, obviously you've been practicing for 13 years. I've been practicing for five. My colleagues that I work with, some of them, like I said, have been practicing for 40 plus years. So they... and even the ones who've been practicing for 40 plus years are pro vaccine because if we ever saw adverse side effects and saw, Hey, why is this vaccine causing so many harmful things? Do you think we'd actually want to give it? Like, obviously not. These are tested things. It's obviously coming onto the market after multiple, multiple tests, but even so like the common sense pediatrician, loving pediatrician standard. If I, for any, at any moment saw something harmful in my patients and saw a trend, I would not be promoting it 
to my children. And we don't. Right. Well, we, and we don't see that. There are regulatory bodies that follow vaccines. You know, I talked about the rotavirus vaccine. Well, there used to be a rotavirus vaccine before the one that's out that we use now. And it was found that it caused an increased incidence of intussusception, which is a bowel disorder. Um, and so that vaccine was pulled because they felt that after it got released and large numbers of infants were getting it and they found there was elevated risk for um into susception they pulled it so it yeah. again it's if if a vaccine is found just like you said to have um terrible side effects then they're going to take it off the market it's not just like they throw it on the market and forget about it um these things are constantly studied and um and watched and all that kind of stuff so and, you know, what's happening a lot online and, on um, you know, mom, I, mommy groups, I used to be on some and I've left, is a lot of anecdotal stories, right? My child got a mm -hmm. vaccine and then two days later got, you know, a big bad virus or got sick mm -hmm. or had, for example, SIDS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard this, right? Oh. That vaccine, there's, that's, that yes. vaccines cause SIDS. Which and actually vaccines help prevent SIDS. Prevent, Exactly. <laughs> So that vaccine causes SIDS and that is completely false. Like that is not, that is not true. Um, we don't know the situation. We actually don't even know if that's a real story, you know, and that's the scary part. And I, I've seen this happen. I've seen the stories be made up and, and it, you can tell because as a physician, you can see holes in the story. You can say that makes no sense. And that's medically, that's not right. So this is not being written by a physician. This is not being written by a scientist. Um, and it's, it's terrifying because this is out there. For people who we know mean well. And I think that gets me to my next point that I think sometimes vaccine hesitant or, you know, anti-vaccine families think that pediatricians is just going to be automatic butting of heads. We're not out to be angry at you. Mm -mm. Like, that's not what we want. We're not coming in with guns blazing angry. We actually want to educate you. Right. And we expect the same in return to understand that we're coming from a place of evidence base. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training, but there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. 
I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more. In my practice, I'm actually, we also have a vaccine policy where you have to at least do a minimum expectation. Um, we don't allow too much spacing also. Um, we, re- we do require some resemblance of the CDC schedule, maybe if you want to do two and then come back a week later, but it can't go like two, three months. Um, and I do get vaccine hesitant families who are like, well, what do you think? I'm like, look, and we exactly what we talked about this episode so far. Um, but it's just really important that they understand that we want to educate and we understand that you are also loving parents and you're just trying to do the best for your kid, but we need to educate you on why this is the best for your children. Right. Right. You know, yeah. it, it is. And that's the hard part because I feel like when it's on, especially on social media and then in the office, more so on social because my office, they get me, right. like they know me, mm-hmm. they're no, they know they've talked to me They're They really trust, you know, you're, when you're in, 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 in the room with someone, it's really much easier to have a heart to heart versus people yelling with caps lock on, on social media. <laughs> which drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm like, you don't please. Like, I'm like, I will tell you, I'll right. tell you all of this. We'll, right. we'll talk about it. I just can't get into it in my DMs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, you know, I had a crazy time with some anti-vaxxers back in uh, January. Yeah. And, you know, the, the funny thing to me, I mean, I was so vilified. And so, you know, everyone, the, the comments that I was getting and like, um, you know, t- and, and I have vaccine hesitant families all the time in my office. And it was interesting. They would, they would come in after this whole thing happened. And they're like, I can't believe all these people are saying these horrible things about you. Like you do, you talk to us about this and they, social media, they just can't know you. Right. They just yeah. make assumptions and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard battle to fight. Oh, it is. And, you know, obviously when we're so busy in our real jobs, right, actually treating people, diagnosing multiple, not, not, not just vaccine preventable illnesses, right. but all the things that we, we do as general pediatricians. And then we take the time like you do out of your own time mm-hmm. to go on social media, to educate mm-hmm. and empower parents. And then you get attacked there. Mm-hmm. It's actually, I don't think people really understand how annoying it is and how hurtful it is because we're doing this on our own free time and out of the goodness of our heart to educate you. And it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of love, knowledge, and just wanting to empower parents. And, um, you know, I, I've had my share of, of stuff happen. Obviously what we, what you went through was pretty, pretty rough. Um, <laughs> I, I remember talking about it after, I mean, it's just, it's just uncalled for. And I'm so grateful that obviously your practice and everything got taken care of. And you actually, for anyone who doesn't know, um, she became a hero. Like, <laughs> Nicole became like this vac- pro-vaccine hero in the way that we need to speak up yeah. about this. You know, we need to share the stories and share why, how important it is. The one thing I wanted to kind of go back to was about vaccine schedules. And um, do, do you want to explain or you want me to about why we recommend the schedule and why we don't, why we don't recommend spacing? 
Um, I mean, uh, either one. I don't. You could go for it. You do it. Yeah. Well, I think because you you heard Nicole say that um, it was obviously we don't want to keep you guys susceptible. Just say you start to space and you start to space three months, four months when it should be two months. We don't want you to be susceptible to the illnesses at that in that time frame. And also, the spacing is done because it's studied that that is probably the best for immunity, right? So you get the Hep B at a certain time, you get the DTAP at a certain time. It's those schedules that are studied that say, hey, this is when vaccine or immunity is probably waning and we have to give a little booster. So the worry is that if you start to space, those those space schedules will are not studied to know, are you actually having the same level of immunity? So that, like she said, puts you at risk of developing those illnesses, because if you get exposed to someone, but you are doing a spacing, we don't know if that actually provides you the same level of immunity, even if you've had four doses in eight months versus the four doses you need in just say, you know, six months, whatever right, it is. Right. Um, that's, the, that's the risky thing about spacing. Mm-hmm. And the vaccines are studied together. I think that, yes. that people get um, nervous about the number of vaccines, but they have been studied to be given together. Their immunity has been looked at. Side effects have been looked at. Um, I think the other thing that families don't often think about, so a lot of us use combination vaccines. So like in my practice, we use a vaccine that is the DTaP, polio, and Hib together, mm-hmm. um, given at two, four, and six months. And um, a lot of families, so when the, you know, it was initially that the MMR, people thought it caused autism, and they thought thimerosal and all that kind of stuff. And then when that train got off, then they started blaming all the aluminum and everything else that's in the vaccines. But if they're spacing vaccines, they can actually be giving their children more um, doses of aluminum or any other vaccine additives than if they were to get the combination vaccine. Because when you have the combination vaccine, there's less (laughs) aluminum in it than if you gave the DTaP, the polio, and the Hib separate. So I just think families, and that's our job. That's our job to educate them. And again, that's why I ask them, what are your concerns? What are your questions? And if they're one of their questions is, well, I heard that aluminum is bad. I can talk to them about that and and tell them, you know, A, why it's not bad and B, you know, you're not getting a hefty dose of aluminum in these vaccines. So. Right. And it's, it's not bad because it's the, it's a dose that's safe in a vaccine. Right, like right. it's not, um, I actually recorded another episode about um, food, food science mm-hmm. with a, a food scientist yeah. who talked about very similar to food mm-hmm. that, you know, metals in baby food and the, all the different components and all the different foods. Mm-hmm. If you ate 10,000 Cheerios in a day, probably you get poisoning <laughs> because not, and we joked about it. She's like, not just from the Cheerios, not yeah. from the chemicals, but the Cheerios, yeah. right? Um, same thing. You're not overdoing these things. This is all safe doses in a level that's okay for our body to handle. Um, and that's why they're studied for, I mean, they're studied for a while. And like, like Dr. Baldwin said, they're studied, they're monitored even when they're on the market. And we would never want to give your kids these <laughs> things. And my son, yeah. I'm still there vaccinating my child. And it's not because someone's telling me to, because I'm a physician. It's because I know it's the right thing to do. Um, do have you, so it sounds like you've been able to kind of get through to a lot of vaccine hesitant families, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just had one the other day that um, I, I just had a discussion with her because um, she wanted to do a couple different vaccines. And I really recommended 
um, that this child get the MMR because my concern with the way the pandemic has gone and with some vaccine levels dropping and with the fact that we had this huge measles outbreak last year, you know, I told her, I just said, I'm, I'm very concerned that I, I know you want to do these other vaccines, but I would really like you to consider getting the MMR today because if there's anything besides <laughs> coronavirus and, you know, potentially flu coming back in the fall, that I worry about. I really worry about measles too. And, um, and mom chose to get the the MMR because we talked about it and, um, and, and I've, you know, seen her kids for a while. So it's just a matter of talking with people. Oh, it is. And it's, and you know, if you are hesitant and obviously you're listening, you're still, you're still hesitant after Mm -hmm. this episode and any of the other, um, you know, vaccine episodes you listen to talk to your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Um, but remember to go in with that open mind because, you have to understand where we're also coming from, right? Obviously, the experiences we've had clinically, obviously, with this, what we've studied as pediatricians. Right. So understand that. And we are coming from a place that of wanting to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to come in saying you're this and that. And I think, and that's why it hurts so much when you get that that sort of energy, you're like mm-hmm. already getting attacked. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even do anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, why are we so angry at each other? I didn't even say, and I didn't even say that you were a bad parent. And yet they call me, you know, like I said, like a bad mom for right. wanting to vaccinate my unborn child. Right. And it's, it's just so, like I said, living in bizarro world that I'm like, what are we, what are we talking about? Like, right. why are we sitting here? And especially in the middle of a pandemic yeah, yeah. talking about how vaccines are bad when, this is the world we're living in without one vaccine. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, I think people are realizing that hopefully, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, I they're realizing that. it's And I scary. would encourage parents that if they do have a pediatrician that is not talking with them, that is refusing to answer their questions, then explore a different pediatrician because, you know, that, it is your child. And, you know, ultimately, as much as I, you know, obviously want the best for all of my patients, it's ultimately the parent's decision. But if you have a pediatrician that is kind of refusing to answer your questions or refusing to talk with you, look to find a pediatrician that maybe is willing to talk because most of us, I think, are. Um, You know, you might get you might get a handful that aren't, but most of us are willing to talk. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. What what would you say? What would be your final message for everyone listening? My final message, um, besides vaccinate your kids, um, I would absolutely just say, just know, and we've said it over and over again, but as pediatricians, like, we love your kids, we are doing what we're doing, because we love your kids, because we want what's best for your kids. Um, we would not ever want to do anything that's harmful um, to your kids. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, same. And I, I so appreciate you. I appreciate you, again, taking time recording some evening after work for both of us, I'm sure. So taking the time out of your day to do this with me, it's so important. And obviously, all the time you spend on all of the social media platforms you're on, and I'm going to tag your Instagram on my show notes and um, your other platforms as well. Um, so definitely follow her there. Because again, a wealth of information, you are the first fellow pediatrician to be on my podcast, by the way. Wow. Yes, meaning federal <laughs> pediatrician. I've obviously had other specialists, but uh-huh. I have a list of other pediatricians I want on. But when I decided to do this episode, you were the first one I thought of. <laughs> and I messaged you like a few months ago, I think, yeah, with this. But yeah. um, I really appreciate you. And thank you so much again. 
Oh, thank you. It was great talking with you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please leave a review, share it with a friend, comment on my social media. And if you're not already, follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram. Love doing this for all of you. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Talk to you soon. made it halfway through an episode so you must be loving the show if you love the show make sure to subscribe to my youtube channel where i share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health development and debunking all that misinformation you hear online my goal is for pdt to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs Bye-bye late night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.